Beginner's call. This is your beginner's call. Will all show beginners please make their way to the studio? Tonight's performance of Overstudies is about to begin. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Overstudies podcast. Yes, we're back again for a bit of a different episode, actually, because it's been a while since we've talked about a new musical, I think. It is. We are huge fans of new musicals here at the Overstudies, but it really has been some time both since we've seen a new musical and since we've talked about one, to be fair. Well, I mean, for regular listeners, I did see a new musical last week and talk about in last week's episode, but it's been a while since we've both been to one and both been to the same one. Yeah. And then given it the full overstudies treatment, as you would expect. For those of you who don't know who we are, my name is Charlie. Mine's Becky. We are the overstudies and we are two musical theatre nerds that just love all things performing arts, to be honest. Yeah, we will pretty much go and see whatever's going at this point. (laughs) Yeah, let us know if you're writing a new show, if you're creating a new show, or if you're creating an old show and you want us to come along, get in touch with us. You can do that by going to www.overstudies.co.uk, click on the contact link. And you'll find a little contact form that you can get in touch with us using. You can also find us on social media. We are on Instagram and threads of studies blog. We're on blue sky. Just search overstudies.co.uk. And also if you want to drop us an email, you can find us stage at overstudies.co.uk. All of those ways will get in touch with us. So yeah, get in touch. Let us know. Might take us a little while to reply to you, but we will get to you eventually. I think we're pretty much up to date now, but nearly. If we're not send us another message or an email and we'll get back to you. Promise. (laughs) It's it's been an incredibly busy couple of months for both of us, but we do try our best. We are but two very tired, very busy humans. We are. Very tired, very busy humans. Doesn't really describe anything about this show though, to be fair. No, it doesn't actually. It's the complete opposite. Complete opposite. This week we are talking all about a brand new musical called Kin. The first thing that I remember seeing about the show was a random ad on TikTok of all places, probably like last, I want to say last year or very early this year. And it's a new musical that's been in development actually for a couple of years now. Yeah. And we were invited along on press tickets, we should say, to basically get a taster of what this show could turn into. Yeah, this is something that has been in development for a very long time and lots of people are very excited about seeing it. As Becky said, we were on press tickets, so we'll get that disclaimer nice and clear out of the way. But as always, everything that we say is 100% our own opinions and we haven't been asked to share anything in particular. I think we should start with what the show's about or at the very least what we think the show is about. Yeah, so... As we say, this show is still in development and this is kind of one of the first showings of the production in a fully staged manner, but it is still being changed and tweaked. So this is what we took away from it. But even just listening to what other audience members were saying in the interval at the end, it definitely seems like there's a few different takes coming away from it. And it's actually really nice to see theatre that is creating a conversation and allows people to almost take different things away from it. Yeah, because I think this is something that the creative team have not shied away from being open about, that they have essentially done a massive rewrite of what the initial show was about. So I think that's quite nice, the honesty that we've seen from that point of view. But also we heard it from the audience members, as you said, so anything could happen in the future, I guess, with this show. (laughs) 
that's always the exciting thing about seeing brand new shows at such an early stage of their development is to kind of see them at this stage where things are still being worked out, but see what is going to happen as we move forwards. So the show is loosely based on a true story, actually. Yes, it is. And it is based on a cult. I love a cult. I do. I do love a cult story. You know, like the the meme, like, what's your Roman empire? Cults are my Roman empire. I don't know why. <laughs> I just find them fascinating. So a musical about a cult sounds quite intriguing. Yeah. And it's a genre that hasn't really been done in musical theatre, at least not for a long time. And it definitely is new and fresh as far as that goes. And the premise is that this cult has moved in nearby to a very small town, very small thinking village somewhere in the United States in the 1980s. And this is upsetting the locals. Yeah, the locals don't trust the newcomers and they basically don't want anything to do with them and would be quite happy if they left, to be honest. Yeah, they're really not very happy about this, but this is something that we start to explore and the world starts to collide a little bit. Yes, we see our main character, Noah, become entangled in the cult's ways as he goes to try and essentially spy on them to prevent them from becoming citizens of the town that he lives in because there's a threat that they might take over the town and the leader will run for mayor. Yeah, it's all a little bit confusing, I think is a way of kind of summing it up because not only have we got this plot of Noah infiltrating his way into the festival stroke camp because the terminology changes and overlaps but then we're also looking at internal struggles between Noah and his family we've got other things going on within the town themselves how they like to just you know keep everything as it's always been for the last 100 years and then this is put against the idea of the cult which is almost like everyone's celebrating the cult leader, but the idea is very much just leave behind material possessions, leave behind life worries and just come and live freely and dedicate your life to the kin. Yes. And I think the confusion is kind of where we started to get a bit lost. Yeah. I, for me, the show doesn't do a massively great job. And that's not to say that it does a bad job, just not a great job of establishing the links between the town and the kin, why the kin are there and what we are seeing. Is it this kind of festival, in which case is it a music festival? Like, are we at Glastonbury? Because that could be a cult, arguably. But or is it just like, you know, some other kind of festival? Again, Glastonbury, depending on which side of the field you're on at any one time. Or are we doing this like kind of camp, in which case, how have they just kind of moved in overnight? And then we also start to get bogged down. And I do mean bogged down a little bit in kind of subplots and side plots that could be any other show. I'm interested in the cult and I'm interested in the kin, and that's what I want to see. And I think for me, the show doesn't always get that right which is why it can get a little bit confusing of where we're meant to be focusing our attention. Yeah, I agree. And I think there's so many potential things that we could be deep diving into, but we almost try to capture too much at once. Yeah, this is the sort of genre where actually less is more almost. And 
I think one of the biggest challenges of the show is it doesn't quite know what it wants to be. Does it want to be a love story? Does it want to be a story about family and relationships and loss and grief? Does it want to be a show about hope, about new beginnings? Does it want to be a show about cults? Does it want to be a show about comparing something new and something familiar? And all of these things can coexist, but I don't think can quite coexist in the way that they currently do. Yes. I do agree. And I think that with something like cults, not to be a bit of a nerd right now, but cults are so complex in their own right. There's so much rich, in-depth investigations you could put in there and almost diluting that with other things almost stops it from being a musical about a cult completely because the cult's just a convenience. It very much seems that the cult is a plot device rather than the the story and without giving a spoiler away but equally i don't think i can think of a way of saying this without giving a spoiler away so tune out for 30 seconds if you don't want a massive spoiler this is essentially romeo and juliet but with a slightly different twist on it and not focusing on the cult at all like the cult is the montagues or the capulets and the town is the other one i do agree And I think that's one thing that was a shame about the show. Yeah, I found myself drifting out of the narrative and losing the immersion of what was going on because it was either too average. And what I mean by that is it was no different to a lot of other shows, which for something that has had a lot of hype didn't really meet up to the expectations. Or there were bits of it that were just so predictable or so unnecessary there was one point where i put my notebook down and just like had a massive eye roll another audience member just put their head in their hands and this wasn't in a good way this wasn't in like a oh my god this is incredible this was a really that's the decision you've chosen to to do this with i do understand and get why those choices were perhaps made And I also fully agree and appreciate that the beauty of art is that whilst I might have not enjoyed that part, there will be somebody out there who that could well have been their favorite part of the show. So, you know, we all have our own thing. But for me, the show doesn't quite know what it wants to be. Yes. And I think it's an interesting point that you made there about the narrative taking you out of the immersion of the show. Immersion's a weird choice of word because it's not an immersive show. No. I'm starting that out now. It was never been billed as one, but the choice of word there, it works though because the attention to detail that has gone into the technical elements of the show is outstanding and is a absolute testament to the creative team that are behind that. You know, we we enter the room to the cast dancing and celebrating as if they were already at this cult slash festival thing that's going on and that was quite nice that was quite nice to be like okay we're this is the vibe we're going for i completely agree i think there's some really exciting things kind of going on there that set the scene and have all the performers out and about and there's clearly some audience participation and stuff going on as well one thing for me that i don't like about the pre-show of of that bit we see is it is almost developing the plot and 
we're not even there yet. And it's all good and well saying, try and get here 25 minutes before. But some of us are coming from places, coming from work, coming from other things going on. Let's not, if that's an important integral part of the show to set up this festival idea, let's actually say the show starts at seven, not at half seven. Agreed. Kin is almost like a show that's been written for the musical theatre industry rather than for fans because we get this idea of you need to be there at the very start of the pre-show. And don't get me wrong, I'm always a fan of being there for a pre-show. There are some fantastic ones out there. But then we get into the very start of the show where we get the pre-show announcement. And there isn't a nice way of saying this, so I'm just going to be very brutal with it. And I think it's the bit that made me angry about this show more than anything else was actually one of the most condescending pre-show announcements I've ever heard that really rubbed me up the wrong way for giving up my time to come and see this show. And it was, I think, trying to make a joke about other musicals, but it references, you know, thanks for coming to see us instead of coming to see Back to the Future. Not a problem with that. That's actually objectively quite funny. And then it goes on to talk about how it's really nice that you've come to see a new musical rather than just gone and seen Back to the Future again. And that's what I take objection to. And this is something we've said before on this show. We mentioned it in last week's episode to do with the team musical and this almost quite snobbish idea that the only musicals that matter or the only musicals that are worth seeing are new shows. And it is really important to see shows. We are a massive fan and massive advocates for new theatre and we see a lot of new theatre between us. But I don't need reminding that I'm seeing a new show because I've come to see one. And I especially don't want to be made like seeing other more commercial shows is a bad thing. Yes, there are bad commercial shows out there. And yes, it is bad seeing too much commercial theatre. We will always agree with that. But the way that this was said just really annoyed me and actually really framed my expectations of what was coming. Like I wasn't on the side of the show anymore because there isn't Back to the Future isn't a bad show. And there are other commercial shows. And Juliet is arguably a commercial show that was a new musical not that long ago. Like, where does where do you draw that line as well? I think one thing that the theatre community, both reviewers, writers, performers, creatives, what, however you are involved with theatre, we need to move away from this idea that if something is new work, it is automatically the best thing that's ever existed. And if something is an adaptation, it is bad because both things can and should coexist at the same time. You shouldn't have more of one than the other, but it doesn't mean that someone who goes to see, for argument's sake, Back to the Future, then doesn't have the deepest, richest insight into musical theatre as a whole. Just because you like a show that has a gimmicky flying car in it doesn't mean that you can't go and see a show that is deep in air quotes and you won't get it. I think it's incredibly patronising to say that to people before your show starts. Yeah. And I think that's where the biggest issue for me comes as well is as we will discuss more over this podcast, this is not even the best new show I've seen this year, this month. It's not a bad show, but when you're setting itself up with such a bold statement, live up to your own hype. Like I know that sounds really harsh, but this is something that 
I really need to say, I, and I'm not living up to my own beliefs and my own what I stand for if we don't have this. And it is a difficult conversation to have. It's never nice to confront things like this, but you've got to make sure that you are, if you're going to take that stance, which I think is a completely wrong stance to be taking anyway, but if you are going to take that stance, at least make sure that your work is extremely special and not in itself in a way an adaptation because it is based on a true story. I think it was trying to be a joke, but it fell so flat for me and that needs to go. If this show is going to get anywhere, we need, as Becky says, we need to stop this infighting amongst the community. The theatre industry is still in a very tricky time. We need commercial theatre and we need new works and we need adaptations in equal measure. They're all fantastic. They're all great. Let's not start playing them off against each other. The more theatre, the better. So I don't see why we would try and limit the options that are available for people. Exactly. Anyway, that out the way, let's get on to the rest of the show itself. The lighting design. Sorry to step on your toes a little bit because I know that this is your little production corner. Are we doing Becky's production corner? Maybe we'll we'll see how things go. But the lighting design I thought was gorgeous. Yeah, I completely agree. Actually, the production values of this show are without a doubt some of the best I have seen in a long time, and I do not say that lightly. The lighting design in particular had some fantastic little numbers. The Atro Technus is a black box theatre audience on three sides. Very much the action is in the centre. Uh, think Southwark Playhouse kind of vibes think a lot of those kind of studio-esque theatres that we've we've been to and these can be quite hard to do lighting with where everybody no matter where you're sat gets to get an idea of what's going on but we have some fantastic simple stuff just in like the washes but also then the use of like moving lights and spotlights and all that kind of thing I thought was really really good it all comes together so nicely but it was still simple And we all know I'm a fan of simple lighting. Yeah. And I think, you know, what really stood out for me is the use of spotlights. Yeah. And the use of spotlights to guide the movement. There's a number of moments during the show where a character is having their big solo moment and they're singing and it's so emotional. Think the never dancing montage from Footloose. Yeah. That kind of energy where it's just a case of letting go of your feelings. And I thought that was such a gorgeous moment and a gorgeous choice from not only the lighting designer, but also the choreo and direction. And it was really a great way of emphasizing how powerful that moment was with the simplest of decisions. Using moving light spots to very noticeably be moving around and to have very targeted parts of the stage is a very brave choice. It is something that I have seen a lot of people try over the years and it is either a masterpiece or it is awful. And anyone who knows lighting will will agree with me on that one. It's a very kind of well understood and well known thing that getting moving lights to be almost follow spotty is notoriously hard to pull off. And the way that this was done was fantastic. And that is also a testament to the cast. Some of the movement and the timing and the energy, but also the collective tightness of the cast in its movement. Fantastic. 
yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think this is really complimented as well by the set design too. Justin Williams, you've done it again. Sorry, we're giving you another shout out. I'm sure you're devastated by that. Another fantastically at the surface simple set. And I actually think it's one of the most simple sets that I've seen from Justin Williams. And it was so, I hate saying simple. I need a, I need to find a different word for simple. But it was so to the point, but still kept that level of detail and those small little references and just little things like there's a rock face at the back putting in the details of the moss growing on the rock face just really made the space feel natural and realistic. And once again, just attention to detail. I can't, I literally have nothing more to say on it. (laughs) I think this is it. As we've said before with Justin Williams, it's not just about the spectacle of the set as a whole, but it really is when you start to look at those little parts, that's when it really becomes apparent how much care has been put into it and this rock face that you mentioned when it first came in i didn't even realize that that's what it was it just sort of seemed like a generic kind of crinkled paper style neutrally background and then i will admit as my mind was wandering away from the plot because i wasn't being that engaged by it i then started to appreciate the set design a bit more and went ah yes this is the rock face that gets referenced kind of throughout the show and then as you say you see those ledges and that moss and all of those little tiny attention to details it's little things as well i love use of levels anything with levels i will lap up doing this in such a simple way where there is the floor and there is the elevated part but then this is done with some movable steps to get up and down and these steps start moving around and get moved from different places depending on what's needed and then we see some action kind of on the steps and again that is such a great way of kind of helping to move you around where the action's taking place as well because obviously this is a very simple black box theater there's not much you can do in terms of changing the set but even just moving the steps from stage left to stage right or stage right to the center or having the steps off to one side that gives you that sense of where we are especially when those kind of start to get repeated depending on where we are and i think little tiny things like that really help to add to that scale and that depth And again, it's the little creative elements that make such a huge difference, to be honest. Yeah. And I think scale and depth is a key thing there because it's not a large space. So getting the balance of having a impressive rock face set design in a small theatre without it feeling overpowering, but still getting that sheer scale across. It's it just had to be done in the right way and it it was. But it's also where we have to go from being on that massive rock face and dealing with that to then next scene we're in a bar and having to then make the rock face seem irrelevant. And this is where the lighting comes back into it as well and the very clever use of how the set was split, but also then how the lighting was was focused and where it was placed and stuff is that we would then get into this bar and what was at the top half of the stage was irrelevant because it didn't matter. It wasn't so imposing that it was still there. It just blends into the background. And all that we had to then signify we were in a bar was a little neon light saying bar. 
And I'm like, it's all you need. It's brilliant. Very reminiscent of like small town USA where you literally have desert and then just random buildings. And I think at surface level, it might look a bit random to have the light just on the side of the set, but also is actually quite a good representation of the location where this is being set. You get like modernity versus nature. Yeah. And I think it just worked so well. I think as always, the the gelling of the different disciplines really helped to bring it to life. And certainly one of the, by far the strongest parts of Kin in its current form is the set design and the costume design and the lighting design and the production elements. Very little needs changing there. Keep keep as much of that as you can as, as you move forwards because I like it. So I mentioned their costume design and I would keep most of that. But there were bits of the costume design that did, again, just let things down a little bit for me. And I get that it's a development production. And this is one of those things that almost certainly will change. And there is only so much you're going to be able to do costume wise with a show at this stage in its life. But whilst the main characters, by and large, the costuming was was fantastic and flawless. When it came to the ensemble, it was quite disjointed where it was good it was good but it wasn't clear that we were in the 1980s generally the female costuming seemed very almost 50s not unusual for small town usa even at that stage but i think needed to be a bit tighter and we could have had a bit more contemporary 1980s against that versus then with some of the male costumes actually were probably more 90s noughties in some respects and to an extent yes with modern clothing and what's available particularly for small production you you make do with what you've got but it just didn't gel as well for me i will say one thing that i did enjoy about the costuming was the stark contrast between the townsfolk and the cult members I think that the entire branding of the show is very red. So I was expecting red, but I think seeing it against the neutral and muted tones of the townsfolk versus the richness of the red of the cult was a really nice and strong way of demonstrating that us versus them. I liked that. I will say that was one bit I really liked and I thought they did really well. Because I think it's so, again, simple. But just to the point, it was not trying to do it in a complicated way. And I think I did like the fact that it wasn't a traditional cult outfit in the sense that, again, knowing quite a lot about cults, you find situations where all cult members dress the same or they all have to have shaved heads. This was a modern cult in a way, which I think was a weird choice given that it's very 80s, but also made it more understandable for audiences. Yeah, I mean, I like that. And if we look at the, in the program, there are some images of the the cult that it is inspired by called Rajneesh Puram. The pictures of that do show, you know, that that is actually very accurate where everyone is wearing red, but it is their own take on red. I did really like that. And I thought that it was clear that it was a cult, 
but it also still fitted in with the narrative of what the cult was about, which is that you're still allowed kind of like your own reasonings and your own ideas, but you still give up everything to the kin. That part worked for me. Yeah, I don't think that's a lost cause either. I think that that is something that I'm excited to see develop because you could have a lot of fun with that costume design. So as we've touched on, for both of us, I think there were bits of the show that really didn't work. I think the general feeling from both of us was disappointment. And we have kind of said that already, but I think the disappointment is that there is so much potential in the concept, but the concept doesn't quite translate to what we saw on stage. And I think that's where the show falls down because I don't think that it is a lost cause. I just don't think what we saw really reflects what we expected to see. Yeah, I, I, I think that's absolutely right. I think one of the biggest problems with the show is that it both doesn't know what it wants to achieve. Because again, going back to what we heard from other audience members at the end, the ending's been completely rewritten. And certainly from what I was overhearing, most people preferred the original ending, which I don't know what it was, but it sounded like it was a happy ending, not a very sad ending. And the ending was very unsatisfactory for me as well. I did not like the resolution. I'm all for having a not happy ending. I love me a not happy ending. I don't think this was it. But I do think there is absolutely something here. But I think we need to focus more in on the kin and the relationships between members of the kin and the other main protagonist who isn't in there and his relationships. I think if we focus in on that, you've got a much stronger storyline and you can keep some of the subplots, but they just need watering down almost. Yeah. I feel like the subplots didn't land. I can see what was trying to be done with the subplots, but we spent most of the first act developing all these different little strands and nothing really happened. And I get that it was trying to build up to this big like jeopardy moment at the end of act one, as all good musicals do, but there wasn't, there wasn't any jeopardy. There wasn't really any, oh my God, I want to come back and see what happens to this at the end of, end of the act for me at least. And then we got into act two and suddenly the first kind of third of act two, everything's happening. We get all the character development, all the plot development, all the stuff that I actually care about happens there. And the first third of act two if the rest of the musical life is like that, we have got a fantastic show on our hands without a doubt. But then once we've got out of the way, we then do a third of more irrelevant pot building that doesn't really add anything, except it does because that is one of the most crucial parts of the show, which is the family connections and how everyone is fighting similar battles. And the reason why people don't talk to people or people's motivations or why people have moved away without giving too many spoilers except because it gets so rushed and so condensed, it feels like it isn't important. But actually that is because that's all the motivations for why people are doing what they're doing. And it's almost like that second third needs to be in the first act. Turn that into the first act. You've got a fantastic show. And then we get to the final third where some of it lands really, really well because we start to see the hope and we start to see the resolution. We start to see people getting what they've been wanting to do and what everything's been leading up to. And then we throw it all away with the ending. I am actually a big fan of killing off the characters that we're most invested in because I think you can do some very interesting stuff in that. 
but I think the wrong one gets killed off. Yes. And I think I agree with your point that the development happens in the wrong place. And because of where the development falls, you start off the show caring about one character, but his conflict kind of gets resolved in the first act. And you're kind of like, okay, so we've we've tied that string off. So what's the next conflict and where does that come? And I think ultimately it boils down to the first half of the show is us versus them. Yeah. The second half of the show is family conflict. And both can work simultaneously, but they just need to be interwoven rather than two separate stories. Yeah. As it stands, it's very much a show of two stories where we do have other plots interweaving between them. They are just distractions. I think you can have the us and them and the family conflict coexisting because they do intrinsically coexist. And that is where you can also then delve into the really interesting parts of the cult. What are the motivations for the cult starting? What are the motivations for people joining there? And I think there is something so strong with that. I just don't think it's there in its current form. Yes, because I think I am invested in the story and I want to know more about the story, but I want less characters, more development. I think that when the plot twist of the show comes five minutes before the end, something isn't right there. Yeah. And I think the pacing ultimately needs work, but it doesn't mean that what is there is completely unsalvageable. One of the biggest problems with the show is the pacing and fix that and a few little other things. And I think there is a very strong show in Kin. I agree. And I think that one of my favorite parts, which I think is something we disagree on, was actually the music. And I think that in itself is very strong. I think the book is what does let it down. Yes. So I think we're on similar pages, but I think we disagree in the show in its current form. Yeah. Which is that the score is fantastic. Objectively, the score to Kin is very, very good, but it's not the score for Kim at all. Agreed. Pretty much fundamentally. And this is why I say I think Kin's a very good show. Actually, I'd be more, I think, invested in the book if we just had a gritty straight play. I think you could do a very interesting play about with that story. And I want to see a completely different show to take the score of Kin. I think we've got two shows. On, in all honesty, these are, they, they do not gel together, in my opinion, at all. For a show that's set in the 80s, for a show that in the program says featuring an original 80s pop inspired score in the nicest possible way, where's the 80s pop? Like, we can't get away from that. Yeah, as resident 80s fangirl of the overstudies, we needed more synth. If we're going down the 80s route, commit to it commit to 80s genres and i think that and this is coming from a place of i absolutely 
adore some of these songs already. The upbeat numbers are so strong and so engaging and so enticing that I can almost forgive them for not being so 80s. I can see the notes that are being taken. They're not 100% 80s, but they're not far off the likes of Heather's being an 80s musical, for example. But then we go to the ballads and they're just classic MT. And I feel like you could have so much fun with an 80s power ballad or a big, you know, rock opera style sound for some of those moments. And it just didn't gel together. Yeah. I think for me, given the expectations going into the show, the score was just too generic. And that's nothing against generic MT scores. And like I say, it's a fantastic, albeit generic score. There was nothing screaming out and going, this is special for me. And I think this is where we do disagree. And there was certainly nothing screaming out going, this is the 1980s. I think my only disagreement on it sounding like the 80s is that admittedly the 80s was a very broad decade for genre. Absolutely. Everything happened in the 80s. And while I'm like, it needed more synth, that's mainly because I think every musical needs more synth, but not everything is going to be obviously an 80s sound but I still think there was room to lean into it a bit more than it had. I did like moments where I heard musical references that I don't want to say it was a Stranger Things reference but that's the vibe it got from me. I know exactly the bit you mean and I agree with that. Like a little twinkly synth is how I'm going to describe it but it needed more of that for it to feel fully 80s and like 80s rock. The best way of describing it is a 1980s Dear Evan Hansen. And that's only because of the twinklings of synth. Yeah. You're not, you're not wrong. I think some of that works with some of Noah's personal conflict and some of what's going on with Noah's subplots. Actually, that's a very good kind of sound to, to have in mind. It works. But again, it doesn't fit with the cult storyline. As Becky says, the 80s was a broad decade. There is so much you could do for the cult sound. And to be fair, the cult sound was the stronger side of of the things. And it did generally all gel better together when we had the cult songs. But you can go even more with it, I think, in terms of getting that cohesion with the story and the music. Yeah, I agree. Sticking with music, though, it's not all bad news because the choreography and some of the, particularly the group numbers, fantastic. I almost dropped my notebook at one point because I just got very excited about a particular dance sequence that involved group choreo with the entire ensemble wearing bandanas. Yeah, rolled up bandanas, tied around their eyes. Obviously, they will have been able to have seen something, I think. And if you couldn't see anything at all, then that just makes this even better because the timing, the slickness... But the moves, there was moving forwards, there was moving backwards, there was moving in and out of people, there was moving across the stage and then all coming back again. Like the jeopardy that you felt of the audience of are they about to punch each other in the face was so palpable. But at the same time, it was so like, this is a cult. This is a cult at this stage of we're all just 
effectively mind washed. I mean, that is what a cult is. And we're just all moving very in sync for this common goal in a very bizarre way. But it was fantastic. Like one of the best bits of choreography I have ever seen on a, sh- on a stage, w- without a doubt. I think the cohesion really just demonstrated the idea of unity and the cult being one life form. And that is by far the strongest way that they could have communicated that through collective movement. It just worked so well. And I'm a big fan of clever movement in shows. And it just had me absolutely in awe of that entire cast for being so slick and becoming a force in its own right. Yeah. I think that was by far one of the strongest moments and linking back into what this show can become. Give us more of that. Let's focus more on the cult because those moments are fantastic. And there is something really, really great in, in the music for that part, in the lyrics and the book for that part, and in the production values for those bits, the lighting, the sound, the choreography, the movement. Keep that. Give us more of that. And I think you've got an incredibly special show on the way because, like I say, I was on the edge of my seat for that bit. And I think my, my mouth was like, oh my God, like dropping open and doing something like that right, especially on a very intimate and small scale, because mm. this is a small theater, is very, very good. Yeah, without a doubt. Like, absolutely no denying that that was flawless. I think all of that being said, I am still incredibly invested in this show. And I think that there's so much that I see potential in and I do want more. And I think that's a key thing. I've been to see shows that I haven't been invested in and not wanted to see more. This, I still am intrigued enough that I would go back and see it again just not in its current form. I think I care enough that I want it to change for the better. I think that's the key difference between us though with this one is that I have kind of checked out of the development. That's not to say that I won't go and see it again because I absolutely will because I do think there's something there. But we have seen a lot of new shows this year that are much more together at a much earlier stage. And I did enjoy it on balance, did have a good time. But because it didn't live up to that expectation, didn't live up to that hype, and because of other little things we've said, including what was said at the pre-show, that did really colour some of my views of the show. If it goes away and we see another version, I will go and see it, absolutely, because it is always nice to see that development. And maybe my opinion will be completely changed and I'll go, you know what, I should have followed that development. But right now, I'm lost as a fan and there's other shows I want to put my energy into more than this one. No, I think that's completely fair. And I guess art is subjective. I don't think a show is ever fully done. So I like to give things a couple of chances sometimes. But that's just me, I guess. Yeah, like I say, I will see it again if it comes back. Not in its current form, but I also, I don't care enough about it to watch that development. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes complete sense. Let us know your thoughts on Kin if you've seen it. And if you haven't seen it, let us know your thoughts on the concept album. It is in various places that you can go and check it out. And like I say, some of the music is fantastic. Objectively, a very strong concept album. 
We do love a concept album, to be fair. We do. We do. Maybe that's what this needs to be. It's just a concept album. Let's just flesh that out. Yeah, why not? Because there are songs that aren't on the concept album that I would like a cast recording of. So, you know, maybe, maybe that's the next step. Maybe just give it a a longer concept album and see where things fit. Yeah, who knows what's going to happen next. Like I say, let us know your thoughts. Our question of the week is, if you were in a cult, what would it be about? Rogue choice, but I like it. What cult would you be in? I mean, we know what cult you'd be in, but let's just confirm it for us all. A cult of Taylor Swift. Oh, I thought that was just like, that's just my religion anyway. <laughs> so, you know, I thought that didn't count. No, that, that <laughs> does very much count. And we all know what cult I'm in as well. Trains. No, the cult of Charlie. <laughs> No, it's trains. No, it's the cult of Jolly. <laughs> there is already an internet rumour that I have a cult, so let's just live up to it. Yeah, I forgot I'm technically a member of that one, aren't You I? are, yeah. That's the funniest thing anyone's ever said, to be it honest. Was, that was a wild time in my life. Let us know what cult you would be in if you're listening on Spotify. If you're listening elsewhere, please do also press the subscribe button if you haven't already. Get in touch with us as well. You can do that by going onto the internet, www.overstudies.co.uk. Check a little contact form there. Get in touch. You can also find us on social media. We are on threads and Instagram at Overstudies blog. We are on Blue Sky. Just search overstudies.co.uk. And we also have an email address if you would like to contact us that way. Stage at overstudies.co.uk. We do love hearing from you. It really does make our day and it gives us more ideas as well. If you've got a show that you want us to come and talk about, if you've got an idea that you want us to talk about, if you want us to start a cult, get in touch. If you want us to absolutely roast your favourite show beyond belief, we will also do that too. Just give us five to ten months to actually go and see it. Can we roast Heathers? We do that anyway. Yeah, we do, to be fair. I've never said anything serious <laughs> about that show in my life. Exactly. If we roast our own favourite shows with love, we will come and roast your favourite show with love as well. We are getting towards the end of season three, though. So at this stage, any ideas you've got will be coming in season four. But we have still got a couple of very exciting episodes lined up. This is probably our last conventional episode of the season. But there are at least two very special ones coming along, actually. So do keep an eye out for those. And like I say, make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcasts to hear those soon. But it is goodbye from me, Becky. And it's goodbye from me, Charlie. And we'll see you next time. Bye.